your hand and one of the ushers will get a Bible to you. A couple quick announcements before we dive in to God's Word tonight. On uh, July 31st, we'll be having a water baptism, so each and every one of you are invited to that. I encourage you to come on out. You want to be there at South Point Beach Park, uh, probably about 745. You want to be parking. takes a while to be able to find where we're at and find parking. We'll be there at that lifeguard tower behind me. And if you're interested in getting water baptized, you can go to calvarymiami.com slash events, and you can sign up there. Uh, please be praying for the Vacation Bible School happening uh, this week. Hopefully that's why you think we have castle and different themes up, uh, not changing the decor or anything like that. Uh, but just a great week to hear the kids uh, singing and uh, rejoicing and learning about God's Word. And then also keep in prayer. Uh, this upcoming week we'll be having our youth camp. Uh, so be praying for all those youth that will be headed out there. Hopefully that they would meet with the Lord and then you can be praying for myself and uh, Pastor Raz later this week. Uh, we'll be headed to Atlanta to teach at a, a youth conference at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. So you can be praying for myself and for Pastor Raz. Uh, finally, all the married couples, it's that time of year again, September 10th through the 12th. We'll be having our married couples retreat. You can sign up at calvarymiami.com slash events. It's usually one of the highlights of the year, so I encourage you uh, to sign up as soon as possible. Uh, but hey, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Uh, going to do something I don't like doing that often, which is uh, topical teachings. Uh, but we'll look at this idea of overcoming temptation. How do we overcome temptation? Who even gets tempted anymore, right? Uh, but how do we overcome temptation? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Wait for you guys to turn there. First Corinthians 10 verse 13. It tells us, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your honesty throughout Scripture, Lord. We thank you for your warning, Lord, for how practical your word is to us, Lord, how it's instruction, Lord. It's, Lord, it's easy to understand but so difficult to follow at times, God. And Lord, we just pray that right now, God, that you would give us understanding, Lord. You'd give us understanding into your word, Lord. That you, Holy Spirit, would give us understanding into our own hearts, the intent of our heart, the desires of our heart, Lord. The, the reason why we do things sometimes, God, we ask that you'd be filling us afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to soften our hearts so that we'd be ready for uh, comfort, Lord, or conviction or encouragement, God. We pray, Lord, again, that you'd open our eyes to see the reality of where we are at with you, Lord, when it comes to sin and temptation and truly loving you by keeping your commandments, God. And, Lord, we just pray for our friends and our family, Lord, uh, for those uh, bearing a loved one this week, Lord, for those celebrating birthdays this week, God. We just pray that you'd be strengthening us, God, to love on one another, Lord, to 
Weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice, God. So we just love you, Lord. We thank you for tonight, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think it goes without saying that every single person deals with temptation. Uh, I'm sure that in the, my, the beautiful city that we live in, especially with the rain, some of you were probably tempted uh, just in your driving over here, right? Uh, with traffic, people cutting you off, people coming into the right lane and then going five miles an hour, right? We all get tempted from time to time. Maybe it's those brownies or cookies that are staring you down, whispering sweet little nothings to you, right? About how amazing and it's great it's going to be. Uh, sometimes it's a harsh word, a snappy word, a sarcastic word uh, to someone we love or someone maybe we don't love so much, right? But that temptation arises. Uh, for many of us, and I think more than ever, there's those fearful and anxious thoughts. And the temptation comes that to not just allow them to pass through our mind, but to grab hold of them and to continue to go down the path that they lead us, which leads to more anxiety and more fear and more depression. Some of us, we struggle with lust and pornography, and you've had a rough day and you're there alone at night, you're on your phone and on your laptop, no one's around and the temptation comes in. What do you do? For some of us, it's even deeper things, right? Fornication, adultery, that girl at work keeps flirting with you. That guy from school keeps telling you how cute and amazing you are. And what should we do? Should we just give up? Should we just give in? Right? No one's watching. No one's ever going to find out what's going to happen. And I think none of us like quitters, right? I don't think for any of us, our hero is like, man, so-and-so, they were a great quitter. That's exactly who, all, who I want to be, right? I think for some of us, we despise one of our parents, maybe a brother, maybe a sister, because they quit. They quit on us. They quit on their duty as a parent. They quit on their duty as a spouse, and now there's some anger, there's some resentment. I don't know if it was the last men's conference or the one before, but we looked at some famous quitters, and the guys seemed to like it, so... I will look at some of these famous quitters again. Uh, living in Miami, I think some of us may remember Ricky Williams, right? And he was facing a four-game suspension because he failed another drug test. He was smoking weed again. And he was facing the four-game suspension, but everything was going to be great. But then he retired two days before training camp started. And the, his reason why is because he wanted to smoke weed and find himself, right? And he quit. He gave up millions of dollars because he wanted to do drugs and go find himself in India and in the Australian outback. Another football player, Vontae Davis, he was a cornerback of the Buffalo Bills. He was once a Dolphin, then he was on the Colts, then he was with the Bills. And at halftime, they were down 28-6, to and he just walked out of the locker room saying, I'm done. And people were confused. What does he mean by I'm done? He left the game, he left the stadium, but he didn't just quit that game. He retired from the NFL at halftime of a game, right? Some of you boxing fans, maybe you remember Robert Duran. His nickname, his nickname was Manos de Piedra, right? His stone hands. He's a champion boxer who fought Sugar Ray Leonard on November 25th, 1980 in the Louisiana Superdome there in New Orleans. The fight ends in the eighth round with two minutes and 44 seconds left because Robert begins to scream out, no mas, and he starts shaking his hands with his gloves on. Again, I don't think any of us, when we grow up, we say, ah, oh, I want to be a boxer like Robert Duran, right? 
I want to be a football player just like Ricky Williams. We look at these quitters, and if we're honest, there's almost a disgust within us. You had how many millions and you quit? Halfway in a game? Halfway in, in a fight? Halfway in a match? You gave up all this money for drugs? And again, I think God has put that desire within us because God calls us to be strong. God calls us to be overcomers. God calls us to look at our culture, look at our temptations, look at the things around us, and not just fold over and give up, but to press on and to fight through it. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll come back to Corinthians later on. But there in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we see some of the mindset that God wants us to have as believers. 2 Timothy Chapter 2. There in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it tells us, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one entangles in warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier." Again, the mindset that we're to have is that we're in a fight. We're in a battle. And we're not the only ones with weapons. We're not the only ones with shields, but our enemy is throwing fiery darts at us all the time. And we need to have that shield of faith. We need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We need to be strong being reminded of how good Jesus has been to us. How gracious he's been to us, how he's forgiven us in the past, how he's loved us, how he's sought us through, how he's given us strength to get through temptation and trials. We need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then he tells us in verse 3 that we must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We must endure it. It's not to just give up. It's not just to roll over, but we are to endure, to hold that weight on our shoulders and say, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. And what's our reason for doing it? It's there at the end of verse 4, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Again, when we're faced with a temptation, that reminder, man, am I going to please my Lord if I do this? If I give up, if I give in right now, is this really pleasing Unto God, unto Jesus, the one who handpicked us as soldiers. That's what that word is there. He enlisted us. He picked us. He chose us and said, hey, I want you to be a soldier in my army. Are we going to give up on him? Are we going to become enemies, right? Are we going to just give up and be a, just a part of the enemy going against our fellow soldiers, against our fellow brothers and sisters? Or are we going to live our life seeking to please him? And I don't know if you've ever had a, a parent or a boss or a superior that you know you can't complain to them because they're going through or they've been through far worse, right? If you've ever had a rough time getting to school and your daughter mom was that person that walked the 12 miles and 12 feet of snow to go to school, right? You know better than to give them an excuse why you couldn't wake up in the morning. 
And what kind of ex excuse can we give to Jesus for our reason for not being able to endure? Right after he's been through so much, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12, reminds us of Jesus and his mindset, right? Our boss, our commander, the one that hopefully we are seeking to please tonight, the one who handpicked us as soldiers. What was he like? What did he go through? There in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Again, this is another golden nugget, if you would, when we face temptation. It's to remind ourselves of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, guys, there's times when we're tired in this race. But look unto the one who enlisted us as soldiers. Look unto him. Look at what he endured. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your focus on him. And be reminded that if he went through all of it, we can go through it as well. If he was able to endure the cross, the agony, the pain of the cross, the cat of nine tails, being hung naked on a cross, taking sin that didn't belong to him to save us, if he can endure, we can endure our hardships. And now we go back to... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And as we turn there, there's one, one last truth for us to leave with from Hebrews 12. And there's a reminder that at times we go through temptations. And there's at times that, in a sense, we bring these temptations to our very door. Right? How Hebrews, it tells us to lay aside the sins and the weights which so easily ensnare us. And again, if, if maybe you struggle with alcohol... You shouldn't be making excuses while you're at happy hour at your favorite bar because the wings are just so delicious, right? You're bringing that temptation on yourself. You struggle with credit card debt, you should probably just block Amazon from any web browser, right? Because you're just going to go crazy. Again, we need to know ourselves, those things that weigh us down, those sins that we're easily give into and cut those things out, lay those things aside, knowing that, Lord, I don't want to fail you. Lord, I want to please you who has enlisted me as a soldier. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, we get some ideas here about temptation, the truth of it, right? First and foremost, it tells us no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. I know many of us were told by our parents, more than likely our mom, that we were very special, right? You're so special. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's fact. But our circumstances and our temptations are not special. You're not the only one going through what you're going through. You're not the only one being tempted with the temptations that you're dealing with. It tells us it's common to man. Everyone has gone through the same temptation you've gone through and probably to something more difficult. Often we blame our upbringing, right? My parents, they discipline me too much. My parents, they discipline me too little, right? My parents, they just love me too much. They, did, they gave me everything. My parents, they didn't love me enough. They gave me nothing, right? 
and we make excuses for our temptations and why we fall into sin. Maybe it's our social status. Maybe it's the unique situation as the reason why we fell into sin. Lord, no one knows what I'm going through. We have to take ownership of our sin. Ownership of every time we fall into temptation, we need to stop blaming other people. If not, we're never going to be those overcomers. If not, you're not being strong in the grace that's in Jesus Christ. You're being strong in your excuses and your reason for sin, right? You're not keeping your eyes on Jesus and how he endured the cross. You're keeping your eyes on, woe is me, this is just who I am. We must take ownership over our decisions when we sin. Joseph, he was tempted by Potiphar. He's a young guy going through what young guys go through, right? His hormones are raging and every single day Potiphar's wife is telling him, come lay with me. Come sleep with me every single day. And he got through it. How about Daniel? He's tempted to eat and act just like the Babylonians. How many teenagers do you know say, no, I don't want to eat meat. Let me just eat vegetables instead, right? That's what Daniel does. He says, I'm not going to act like a Babylonian. I'm not going to eat what Babylonians eat. I'm going to stand righteous before the Lord. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They're tempted to bow down to the idol with the fiery furnace heated up seven times over. Right? It's one thing to do it when they were in the midst of the crowd, right? The whole stadium filled with people. Maybe they won't notice us, right? But then they're brought into the king's court. They're faced with the fiery furnace. They heat up the fiery furnace seven times hotter. All the strong buff dudes heating it up. They're all burnt to a crisp. And now the king says, when we play the music, you need to bow down. And they don't, right? They stay firm. Right? For the ladies, how about Abigail? Wasn't she tempted to slander her husband? Wasn't she tempted to just throw, her, throw him under the bus and say, yeah, King David, you're right. He's right over there. Go ahead and kill him, right? But she stood in the gap for her husband. She didn't say, yeah, he's an idiot. You're right. Go and kill him. His name is Nabal after all, right? No, she stood in the gap there. David, he was tempted to slay Saul. He could have said, I am God's anointed. It's my time. Let me do this. Again, family, there are other believers in worse situations than you are. It's just a fact. There are other uh, believers going through more difficult temptations than you are. And we need to be reminded of that, Lord, if they could withstand it, Lord, I can withstand it. I don't know if there's any wives, any husbands out there that need to be reminded. Ladies, there are other wives whose husbands are dumber than yours and more difficult to submit to. Right? Gentlemen, there's other husbands whose wives have more difficulties than your wives do. Perhaps they even have physical problems that they're not even able to have sexual intimacy, and yet they're married to them and stay faithful to them. What's our excuses? Are there not other people going through more difficulty than us? Right? We can be reminded of some of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 6, verse 15, speaking of Abraham. It tells us after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. How about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27? It tells us, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Again, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Faced with temptation, fix your eyes upon Jesus. We are to be strong. We are to endure. We can do it, family. We're dealing with what believers have dealt with all their lives. 
And the joy of heaven is that then we won't have to endure anymore, right? That's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most in heaven is I won't have to fight my flesh anymore. I won't have to fight temptation anymore. We can just be at peace with the Lord. Right, finally, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, right? Seeing other people that have gone through what we've gone through. Jesus, we looked at earlier how he endured the cross. But Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that he's endured much more than just the cross. And we all know that's enough. That's more than most of us will have to endure in this race. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15... It tells us, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And these two verses, they're so great. They remind us to look to Christ. Not only did he endure the cross, but he was tempted in every single way humanly possible. To far greater depth than any of us can even imagine, right? I love there in the Garden of Gethsemane when Peter thinks he's doing something, right? He pulls out his dagger. He cuts off the guy's ear. And what does Jesus tell him? He says, Peter, put away your sword. Don't you know right now I can pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Think of the power that was at the fingertips in the mind of Christ. The amount that he had to hold together, right? Isn't it true that when you have more power, more money, there's a greater temptation there? More temptation and there's more danger? And think of all that Jesus was capable of. And yet, he did it. He endured because he was in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because he spent so much time in the morning praying. Because he was in his word. He was in fellowship with the Father. And those are the same tools that we can use to defeat temptation. He never snapped and he was a man just like us. And verse 15, that's for some of us. And verse 16, that's for some of us that maybe you're here. And you blew it on the way to church today, right? You blew it this week with your spouse. You did the one thing you swore you were never going to do again. And now maybe you're in the battle between condemnation and conviction, right? What should we do when we sin? We should come boldly to the throne of grace. That's what we're to do. He was perfect. He never sinned. But he's still gracious and kind and merciful. He's able to say, Zach, you're going through that. I know what that's like. Come. Come. I want to forgive you. I want to love you. But we need to accept our sin, and come boldly to the throne of grace. So, man, if that's you here tonight, don't allow the enemy to just condemn you the rest of the teaching, saying, of all nights, right, it's raining, I should have stayed home, I could have live-streamed, right? Man, don't allow the enemy to condemn you, but have that conviction lead you to come to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, family, look to Jesus Look to our cloud of witnesses, right? We talked about all these great heroes of the faith and be reminded of the character of God. Back there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, right? It tells us, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. And then it tells us, but God is faithful 
who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So we are to focus on Christ, focus on that cloud of witness, be strong, endure, but be reminded of the character of God. Be reminded of his character. He doesn't want to harm you. He doesn't want to destroy you. He's not looking to just annihilate you. He is faithful. You could just write down Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, it tells us that he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Again, he is the faithful God. He keeps his covenants. He keeps his plans. He has mercy for a thousand generations. In um, young adults, we've been going through the life of David, and some of the young adults, they like David a little bit less, right? We, we don't realize evil, uh, how evil David was sometimes, how often he failed. He has this great victory, this great battle, and then the last verse in the chapter, and then David took for himself five different wives. Wait, wait, what? I don't remember that in my kid's Bible. I don't remember that in my uh, David and Goliath uh, coloring book, right? David, a great man of faith, but he failed many times too. But our God, he's merciful and he's faithful. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, another great verse. You can just write it down. It tells us to be strong and of good courage. Do not, be, do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Family, God hasn't forgotten about you. And oftentimes, that's the temptation. We think we're in this situation, we're in this battle, and God has completely forgotten about me. Lord, where are you? Can't you see the way my spouse is acting? Can't you see the way my nation is acting? Can't you see the way that my culture is acting? Lord, where are you? God, I'm still not married. I'm not getting any younger. God, we still haven't had any kids. Lord, I'm not getting any younger. He has not forgotten about you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. When it's talking about Joseph, right? Joseph, this man, we just talked about how he endured and he didn't fall into temptation with Potiphar's wife. After that, what happens? He gets falsely accused. He gets thrown into prison. And in the midst of prison, it tells us, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Right? And it tells us again, because the Lord was with him. God is with you. In whatever situation you're in, in whatever temptation you're in, in whatever battle you're in, he hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't left you. He is faithful. So be reminded of the character of God. Be reminded of God's character. And then what's the next part? It tells us who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So not only is he faithful, but now he's promising us, hey, I'm not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able God himself doesn't tempt us. I don't know if we'll have time to go to James chapter 1. But God himself does not tempt us. But he's keeping a close eye on what we're going through. I don't know when was the last time you exercised. But I think each of us have been there when we haven't exercised for a super long time. And then we say, today's the day, right? And we, started, we try to get back on it. And we try to do what we used to do. Hopefully you have a good friend that slowly eases you into things, right? Like, hey, I know you did this last time, but let's take it easy. Let's take it slow and then see what happens. Maybe that wasn't you or maybe you're that bad friend, right? That you don't tempt them with what they can bear. You way over tempt them, right? 
You say, hey, you ran a mile in 10 minutes 10 years ago. Hey, you could do it in half the time now, right? Let's go. Let's push it. And then you're cramping up. You're on the floor. You're in a wheelchair for three months, right? That, that's not good. That's not good at all, right? But that's not what our God does. He keeps an eye on us. He's watching. Again, think of all that our God could be focused on, all that he could be thinking about. Right? He has greater things to worry about, be concerned with. But he's keeping an eye on the temptations we are going through, making sure that the enemy doesn't take it too far. Making sure that the demons don't take it too far. If we're honest, making sure that we ourselves are not taking it too far sometimes. He has a close eye on it. This all-powerful, omniscient God is looking and watching each of our temptations. Making sure it's not too much for us to handle through the power of Him and of His Holy Spirit. Again, sometimes we read this verse and we think, yeah, I'm strong enough to handle this. And oftentimes what God's revealing to you is, no, you're not strong enough to handle this. But if you plug into the Lord, if you plug into prayer, if you plug into the body of Christ, if you plug into his word, then through him and his power, you'll be able to withstand it. Right? We don't have time to go there, but we know that in the book of Job and even in the gospels with Peter, Satan desired to completely destroy both Job and Peter. But what does God do? He only allows Satan to do little things at a time to Job. What does Jesus say to Peter? He says, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Again, our God is keeping an eye on what we're dealing with and what we can handle. The only tough thing is that what we can handle changes over the years. Situations where we're faithful and when we endure and when we overcome, it leads to spiritual growth. And then we're faced with a little bit bigger of a temptation, a little bit bigger of a trial. And that's all the Lord growing us and maturing us. Again, the only bad news here is that the battle will intensify later on. Then he tells us at the end there in verse 13, but with the temptation, he will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So not only is God checking and making sure that our temptation doesn't go overboard, but he himself will make the way of escape available in every temptation. Right, in a sense, he's the getaway driver, and he's waiting there for us, saying, hey, this is how we get away. This is how we get out of here. The only difficult thing, right, sometimes we wish that he would force us to take the way of escape. But he doesn't force us. He just leaves the way of escape right there. He says, hey, Zach, I know you're going through this, but this is the way to escape. Oftentimes, the way to escape is the two limbs under you, right? It's run for your life. It's get out of Dodge. That's what Joseph did. He ran for his life and he got out of there. Oftentimes, that's the quickest way of escape. Another way of escape, it's one word, two little letters, right? And, oh, that's another way of escape. Sometimes we think that we can't tell someone no, right? They were like flabbergasted. I can tell them no, right? For some of us as parents, that's the way out of the temptation with your kids. You tell them no, but we don't think we can do that. Again, God offers a way out of the temptation, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a phone call, whether it's walking away, whether it's going away. He always makes the way of escape. That way of escape, it's literally talking about a mountain pass. That is a hidden cave in a mountain. 
It's as if you're surrounded by the enemy and you're hiding in the mountains saying, what are we going to do? And as he just peels back the ivy, right? And he says, hey, here's the way out. You can take it if you want or you could deal with the temptation and what it will cause you. We could turn to James chapter 1. And again, here we'll see a little bit more on temptation. What should we do? We should be focused on the Lord, focused on our other brothers and sisters, what they've gone through, how they've been able to endure be focused on God and his character, his faithfulness, how he's going to give us that way out, make the way of escape available to us. And then here in James chapter 1, verse 12 through 15, another thing to be focused on is what's going to happen afterwards, right? Let's say I give in to this temptation right now. What's going to happen afterwards? There's going to be regret. There's going to be pain. There's going to be sorrow. But what happens if you overcome? What happens if you endure? In James chapter 1, verse 12 through 15, it tells us, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Again, here we come back to that idea in 2 Timothy 2 that we're trying to please the one who has enlisted us as soldiers. That if we endure, if we fight through these temptations, if we love him, one day we're going to get that crown of life from him. Do we desire that crown? How badly do you really desire to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? I think everyone says they want to hear that. But are we acting like it, right? It's like at your job. Who wants to be employee of the month, right? I think everybody wants the easy parking space, right? The $100 bonus for the month, right? But who's actually putting in the time and work and effort saying, I want that? Family, do we desire to hear those words from our Savior, from our Lord, the one who enlisted us? We need to be those overcomers. Here, James, he gives us a little bit more from temptation, right? It's not coming from God. Don't say that God is doing this or God is doing that, right? God gets blamed for so many things. Where does temptation come from? It comes from our own desires. It comes from that man in the mirror, the person inside. That's where this temptation comes from. It comes from the lusts and desires that we have inside of us. That's why we need to take ownership. You had a temptation. You fell into sin. You have no one to blame but yourself. James tells us that it came from inside of you, right? That's where it all started. It's not your wife. It's not your kids, it's not your job, it's not your nation, it's our own sinful desires. Family, that's why we need to be feeding on the word of God, and we'll look at that later on. That we would have good desires, right? We hear the word lust and we automatically think, hey, that's a, that's a bad desire, right? That's bad, lust is bad. No, you can have a lust to take in more of the word of God. You could have a lust to see our nation, our city come to know Jesus, right? That's a desire. We can have those good desires, but it's only going to happen if we're spending more time with God. 
It comes from inside of us, and then the enemy, he entices us, right? For those fishermen, it's a lure. Each of us, we have our own lure from inside, and now Satan takes that lure, and he's flashing it in front of us. He's jigging it, right? He's walking the dog. He's doing whatever he can with that lure to get us to bite. But now the moment we bite, the moment we jump onto that temptation and we give into it, it becomes sin. It becomes sin. It becomes sin. And now the end of sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Again, family, be reminded next time you're facing that temptation, what is this going to lead to? This girl, this guy, they're whispering these things to me. They're texting me. They're calling me. What is this going to lead to? Talking bad about my friend or right, my church, my, my wife. What is this going to lead to? Right? It only brings forth death. John chapter 10 verse 10 reminds us of the enemy. It tells us the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But what does our Lord desire? What, what is his reason for coming? He has come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Again, when we endure, it leads to life and that more abundantly. Every time we run from the temptation, we flee those youthful lusts. We get away from those bad habits and we cling to Christ. It only leads to more life in our lives. Finally, let's go to Luke chapter 4. And here in Luke chapter 4, we see again our Lord and Savior tempted in every way. And yet he came out blameless. And we see probably his greatest trial and temptation outside of the Garden of Gethsemane. And there in Luke chapter 4, again, we see a little bit more of how does temptation work? How does the enemy work? We know that it comes from the desires in it, from within us. We know he gets the lure and he tries to get us to bite. But how else does our enemy work? Luke chapter 4 verse 1. It tells us, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil... And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Here when it tells us that he was hungry, is that he was at the point of starvation. Right? Fasting, it's important for us. And it's so important that we note that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit here. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's one of our best defenses against temptation is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're constantly giving into temptation, if we're constantly sinning, then you're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're adding, you're poking more and more holes into the, the Holy Spirit tank, if you would, right? But now the more that we're fighting temptation, the more that we're enduring, the more that we're seeking God, we're asking him to refill us, we're praying, we're spending time ministering to our spirit, we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then when does the devil come? After Jesus has lasted 40 days and nights without food or drink. And isn't that how the enemy works, right? When you're tired, when you're exhausted, just had the biggest blowout ever with the person you love, you had an insane day at work, 
And that's when he comes to strike. Each and every time. He's a bully. He waits till we're tired. He waits till we're weary. And then he comes in, right? And what's the first one? He says, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. We looked at this a little bit on Sunday, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The God of comfort, if you would. And that's what Satan is telling Jesus, right? If you're the son of God, man, make these stones into bread. Wouldn't God want you to be filled? Wouldn't God want you to use your God-given abilities to do X, Y, or Z? And again, there's a temptation here. There's a battle here for Jesus to not be obedient to the will of God. This is what the temptation is for each and every one of us, is to do something outside of God's will. Oftentimes, where do we find God's will? It's found in his word. But the enemy, he comes and he says, hey, why don't you do this thing? It's just outside of God's will. But verse 4, how does Jesus answer him? He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So not only does Jesus answer the devil back with scripture, but then he reminds us that we should be living on God's word. We should have a hunger for God's word. We should be filled with God's word because guess what, family? God's word helps us overcome the evil one. We're going to see every single time here that Satan comes to tempt Jesus, he answers him back with the word of God. What do we have to answer him back with? Right, of all the armor of God for temptation itself, the two things we need the most is the shield of faith, right? Faith in God's character, enduring the things that we're going through, trusting in the things not seen. And then the sword of the spirit coming back against the enemy with the truth of God's word, right? The truth shall make you free. Then after verse 3 and 4, now the next temptation, the devil, he takes him up on a high mountain, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And the devil sets him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And again, some interesting things to note here in the midst of looking in temptation. We don't see Jesus refute him. We don't see Jesus refute Satan's statement that all authority has given to him in the things of this planet and of this world. And there's many scholars believe, I think so too, that when Adam and Eve sinned there in the garden, Satan in a sense gets the title deed for this earth. But when Jesus dies on the cross and resurrects the title deed, his ownership of it, is able to come back to him, right? That's when we sing that song, who's worthy, right? Who is worthy to be able to take the property deed of earth back into his hands? None of us. Each and every one of us have failed. Each and every one of us have given ourselves over at times to this enemy of God, to Satan himself. But he's been perfect. He'll always be perfect, right? And now what he's basically telling him is, Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross, you don't have to die. You don't have to take on all the sin and all the filth of the people. If you just worship me, I'll give you all the glory. I'll give you all the kingdoms. I'll give you all their power. And again, Satan is tempting Jesus with comfort. If you just do this, this is going to be the more comfortable way. This is going to be the easier path. And we have to be so careful with that, right? The lust of the eyes. And now he answers him, right? Verse 8. Get behind me, Satan, 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Again, he answers him back with scripture. How much scripture do we have abiding inside each and every one of us? And he says, get behind me, Satan. We see him say this to the enemy. We know he says it to Peter as well. When Peter says, hey, Jesus, you don't have to die. What's this about dying, right? That's not how we do business here. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Finally, in verse 9, it tells us that he brought him to Jerusalem. And now he sets him at the pinnacle of the temple. And he says to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. An interesting thing to know here. Now Satan himself shows that he knows a couple of scriptures. Satan himself knows a few verses, right? But the thing is that he's taking it out of context. He's leaving a couple parts of the verse out of him reminding Jesus about scripture. And oftentimes family we get tempted with scripture taken out of context. Oftentimes we double down on sin, taking scripture out of context and saying, hey, I could do this. God is love, right? God is love. He's okay if I do X, Y, or Z. He's okay with any type of love, right? God is love. And we're taking it out of context. We're not looking at the full word of God. We say, I'm going to do this. He's going to forgive me anyways. Right? God shows his love. He shows his grace when he forgives sin. So I'm just going to give him some more sin to forgive me for him, right? And we're lying to ourselves, taking scripture completely out of context. That's why we need to know the word of God. He answers him back with scripture yet again. And he tells him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The temptation here from Satan was that Jesus would throw him down from, throw himself off of the top of the temple there. And because he, none of his bones could break that, he would float down onto earth. Everybody would see it and say, he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. And everybody would worship him there without having to go through all the trials, all the pain, all the people leaving him that he was going to have to go through. Finally, he overcomes this one. And then verse 13, right? There's some blessing here and there's some bitterness here, right? We see the devil that he ended every temptation and now he departs from him. And that's the truth for us as well. If we withstand the temptation after a certain point, that means he's going to leave us alone. That's the good news. What's the bad news? Until an opportune time. It's not just one and done. That's just the first round. That's all that is, right? You went through this huge temptation, you were sweating, you were bleeding, you finally ran away and you gave yourself into God, right? You, st- you stood away from the enemy and now it's just five minutes in the first round, right? A couple of times we uh, work out with some of the guys and we do some mixed martial arts and sometimes at the end of class we do this thing that's called rolling and it's five minutes and then a one minute break. And then sometimes you're there and you're rolling and you're dying, you're exhausted, you're looking at the clock, you're looking at the clock, the bell rings and you're sucking wind, right? You're trying to catch yourself and then what happens? Ding, 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 clock starts again, right? Get right back in it. And sometimes that's the way it is with temptation. You finally get out of one, you're strengthened, you're able to beat it, but he's going to come back. But we can overcome temptation. We can endure, we can beat it. Again, one last thing to know, we see Jesus answering time and time again with Scripture. We looked at this on Sunday, 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. 
we see these young men and it tells us that they were strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. They were able to withstand temptation. They were able to endure temptation and where did their strength come from? Abiding and having God's word abide in them. Again, family, how much of God's word do we have abiding inside each and every one of us? How much can we talk about who won the Emmys, right? Or what comic book character did this? Or what stock is doing that, right? Every cryptocurrency, every animal, every dog, every everything, right? And yet, how much scripture do we have abiding inside each and every one of us? Psalm 119 verse 11, the psalmist writes, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Later on, he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Again, family, we need God's word inside of us. That's the way we overcome the evil one. That's the way we can please the one who has enlisted us as soldiers. So just practically, how can we overcome temptation? First and foremost, spend time with Jesus. Spend more time with Jesus. Spend more time with your first love. It's going to remind you, it's going to strengthen you to not give yourself over to these fake loves, these fake lusts, right? How do we spend time with Jesus? We read the Bible. And God's word abiding within us helps us defeat the enemy and temptation. What's the next one? To pray. To be in prayer. That's how we spend time with Jesus. Jesus tells us to pray, right? That we wouldn't be given into temptation. We should be in prayer. And lastly, be with other believers. Spend time with other fellow believers. They will help you get through temptation. There's been some times, right, someone says something, a bad word at you, or someone wants to start a fight, and you're there with other believers, and you're able to laugh it off together, right? If you're there alone, nobody knows what's going to happen, right? We've all been there. You're with a group of believers, and someone starts flirting with you. You're all able to laugh and walk away. But if you're there solo, man, bad things are going to happen. Without a shadow of a doubt, I believe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at least having each other, it strengthened them for the trial. Daniel being able to have the other men surround him and encourage him, that had to strengthen them and encourage them in the battle. So again, if we're trying to go off solo all by ourselves, right? when did David fall into temptation with Bathsheba? When he was all alone. When he should have been at war with his brothers and he was at home all alone doing what was comfortable. And that's again a dangerous place to be. Serving the God of comfort, it's only going to lead us to destruction. But again, family, we can endure. And that leads us into uh, communion if the worship team can come up. Let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 22. And what a great way to end the night. Again, maybe we've fallen short this week. Maybe we haven't fallen short, but we're just dead exhausted. We've been fighting. We've been enduring. We haven't given in yet, but we're exhausted. Man, look unto Jesus. Look into what he's done. Look in what he's defeated, the battle that he has won. Or maybe we have given in. And now we just need to be reminded that we have an advocate with the Father. He's there to defend us. He's here to say, Zach, he's here. He is guilty. But I paid for those sins. I took it up myself. In Luke chapter, 19, uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 19, it says, And he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you 
Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Again, Jesus is here. His last moments, right? This last meal, this last supper with his brothers, with his disciples. And he's reminding them in the future of his death on the cross. Of his blood being shed. Of his body being broken. And we are to do this in remembrance of him. Of what he's done for us. That he's the one that purchased the power for us to be able to overcome temptation. He's the one that purchased the power for us to be able to overcome sin. He's the one that led us. He gave us the way to get out of sin. And we need to be reminded of that. So often we just think this is the only way. This is who I am. I'm always going to give in to this. That's not what Christ says. That's not what Christ did. So again, family, as we take communion now, uh, maybe you got those little cups in the back as you came in. If not, as we worship now, you can go to the back and grab one. But just spend some time in prayer. Spend some time worshiping the Lord. Then when you see the Lord, man, he's speaking to your heart. You could take the bread first. Then you could take the juice. But be reminded of the death of Jesus. Be reminded of the resurrection of Jesus and all he's done for us. So if you need comfort tonight, he wants to bring it to you. If you need conviction tonight, he wants to bring that to you as well. But Lord, we just love you, God. And we thank you, God, that you give us a way to escape each and every time, Lord. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you're faithful to us, Lord. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us, God. Lord, we thank you that even when we are faithless, Lord, you remain faithful. And again, God, I just pray that you'd help us to withstand, Lord, just the season that we're in, Lord. The culture warring against you, Lord. Our nation warring against you, Lord. So much of the church giving up on you, Lord. God, help us to endure, Lord. Help us to be that good soldier, Lord. Help us to be focused on you and on the kingdom to come, Lord. Help us to be focused on heaven for all of eternity, Lord. Again, Jesus, we thank you for your death and sacrifice for us, Lord. Thank you for the humility, Lord, what you were willing to go through, Lord, because of the love you have for us, Lord, because of the, you desiring to glorify the Father, Lord. So, God, just be with us now, Lord. Speak to our hearts, God. Minister to each and every one of us, Lord. Again, Father, soften our hearts. Allow none of us to harden our heart against you, Lord. Lord, we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.